I'm Ken Sandberg. And I'm Heather Michelle Lawler. And this is Campfire Classics Spooky Edition. Ooh, Halloween! Where we try to read those books that look really spooky on your shelf. Oh, scary! Hello. Hello, and welcome to a special edition of Campfire Classics. For those of you who are good at calendars, you'll notice that today isn't Tuesday. It is not. It is Saturday. Um, so we actually recorded the episode you're about to listen to a couple of months ago, but when we got to the end, realized that it was a little more um, gruesome and unsettling than our typical short story. Yeah, very well written and very much more in the uh, the genre of true crime and paranormal meshed together, but through fiction. So we decided to uh, go ahead and release it now as a Halloween special. Yeah. So for those of you who are more into the uh, the 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 gruesome, the if, gore. If you like shows like Breaking Bad or Ozark or um, uh, the the Bates Hotel one. That's is that just called Bates, Bates Hotel? Motel? Yeah, the Bates Motel. Like it, like or uh, if you like watching unsolved mysteries, then this will be fine for you. But we did not want to put this out as our weekly episode. Um, because it was hard to be funny, um, because trigger warnings for, um, cruelty against animals and, uh, violence against women. That's, I, we want to put that out there because we don't want anyone listening to this and it deeply upsetting you. That's the last thing we want to do. This is a literary comedy podcast, but it's Edgar Allan Poe and it's really freaking well written. So if you enjoy that kind of thing, we hope you enjoy this Halloween episode. Do you want to know what you're reading today? I do. What am I reading today? Oh my gosh. I'm very excited for this one because this is a new author. Excellent. Um, it has been one that you have brought up quite a few times, but okay. we have not read any of this author. Um, they do have a fabulous mustache. Okay, good. I'm on board. So, this is Edgar Allan Poe. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Right. So. Um, I've got some fun facts about Mr. Poe. So he was born on January 19th, 1809. So he's one of our oldest authors thus far. Um, and he's American, which we've only, I think we've only had like two other, one other American. Oh, Henry, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. So. I think we've been dealing mostly in Brit lit. Yeah. So we are in American lit today. All right. About damn time. Uh, (laughs) Merck. Oh, Lord. Um, Drinking my whiskey, reading some American literature. Drink that Kentucky mule. Um, Poe is best known for poetry and short stories. Uh, His tales of mystery and uh, widely regarded as a central figure of romanticism in the United States of America. Um, He was the country's earliest practitioner of the short story. Cool. So, thanks to him, we have this podcast. (laughs) We have things to read. We have things to read that aren't ten hours long. So, yay. Yay for you. Um, he was, so this is funny, so we read Wilkie Collins last week, who is considered the British detective novel inventor. Edgar Allan Poe is generally considered the inventor of the detective fiction genre in America. Um, yeah, so that's pretty fun. Um, he was the first known American writer to make a living through writing alone. 
So he actually created the idea of the starving artist. Huh. Um, yeah. Does he, does he predate uh, Mr. Samuel Clemens, Mark Twain? Uh, I don't have that in front of me. You want to look that up? Yeah, um, I'm to look that up quick. Just because yeah. I'm curious. Because... Um, it, he is well because uh, he goes on. Poe is considered America's first well-known professional writer, thus starving artist. He eked out his living at the country's first great literary critic as well. Yeah, by quite a bit. That's what uh, I thought. Mark Twain wasn't born until 1835. So Poe did it first. <laughs> What's up? Um, he chose this profession at a very difficult time. Um, he was one of the first Americans to do this, and he was hampered by the lack of international copyright law. So the reason we read these stories is because of copyright law, because they have to be out of copyright. But America had established copyright law at this point, but Britain had not. And therefore, all the American newspapers and magazines and everything were just freaking ripping off and taking stories from British writers and publishing them without having to pay for them. So he was having a lot of trouble getting published, even though they loved his work, but he required payment. They could get other writers for free. So he he repeatedly resorted to humiliating pleas for money and other assistance. And I was like, yeah, starving artist, get it. Yep. (laughs) Become a patron. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, And this is really fun fact for Ken and I, because we're both uh, actors and... uh, it, both of his parents were actors, professional okay. actors. I did not know that. I know. And he was born Edgar Poe in Boston in 1809. And his parents were both performing King Lear the year he was born. Huh. And so he's named Edgar after, after the Earl of Gloucester, the, the, the good son. So I thought that was a fun, fun fact. Nice. I like yeah. that. Uh, not so fun is that like... When he was, like, three, his father abandoned the family. And then the next year, his mom died of tuberculosis. But, you know, you know, they, they gave him a good name. So, I mean, every family has its issues. They, you know, everyone's, everyone's got their shit. But, so those are fun facts. I didn't want to do too much because, you know, we're going to come back to Poe. Poe's got a lot of good stuff. All right. All right. So, let's start the fire. Yeah. Woo-hoo-hoo! All right, so you will be reading The Black Cat by Edgar Allan Poe, published in 1845. That sounds ominous. <laughs> what? Edgar Allan Poe wrote something ominous? The Black Cat by Edgar Allan Poe. Oh my god! <laughs> Hi, I, think I, I think I pronounced that correctly. I think that was the, yes, he would approve. For the most wild, yet most homely narrative which I am about to pen, I neither expect nor solicit belief. Mad indeed would I be to expect it, in a case where my very senses reject their own evidence, yet mad I am not. And very surely I do not dream, but tomorrow I die. And today, I would unburden my soul. Whoa. <laughs> There's a heavy opener. Hello. Good morning. I love how Wilkie Collins was like, hee hee, laugh at me. And he's like, unburden my soul. <laughs> my immediate purpose is to place before the world plainly, succinctly, and without comment a series of mere household events. 
In their consequences, these events have terrified, have tortured, have destroyed me. Although he's got a very similar sort of... We've got a commonplace thing, which is... like, you don't have to believe me, but I promise you these things happened. I would not lie. Like, yeah, I am am haunted by these, like, ordinary events. Yeah. Okay. I like it. My immediate purpose is to place before the world plainly, succinctly, and without comment a series of mere household events. In their consequences, these events have terrified, have tortured, have destroyed me. Yet I will not attempt to expound them. To me, they have presented little but horror. To many, they will seem less terrible than Baroque's. Hereafter, perhaps... Some intellect may be found which will reduce my phantasm to the commonplace. Some intellect more calm, more logical, and far less excitable than mine own, which will perceive in the circumstances I detail with awe nothing more than an ordinary succession of very natural causes and effects." Man, that is a lot of caveats. That is a lot of like, but this and this and this. But let me, I'm just going to tell you a story now. (laughs) From my infancy, I was noted for the docility and humanity of my disposition. My tenderness of heart was even so conspicuous as to make me the jest of my companions. I was especially fond of animals and was indulged by my parents with a great variety of pets. With these I spent most of my time, and never was so happy as when feeding and caressing them. This peculiarity of character grew with my growth, and in my manhood I derived from it one of my principal sources of pleasure. To those who have cherished an affection for a faithful and sagacious dog, I need hardly be at the trouble of explaining the nature of the intensity of the gratification thus derivable. That's <laughs> so an obnoxious sentence. If you've had a dog, you'll you understand. Know how awesome they are. Because they're so snuggly. There is something in the unselfish and self-sacrificing love of a brute which goes directly to the heart of him who has had frequent occasion to test the paltry friendship and gossamer fidelity of mere man. Damn, that's some fancy-ass language. (laughs) (laughs) Romanticism. I married. I, I just Ar- went back to my Arcadia days. <laughs> Fancy it. Just, just say you love puppies. Just no, say, it's, just it say is beautiful damn. writing. <laughs> Whatever. Well, if he's <laughs> trying to get these published in magazines, he is also probably getting paid by the word. Oh yeah, which is probably why they wouldn't publish them. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> they just stole everybody else's. I married early and was happy to find in my wife a disposition not uncongenial with mine own. Observing my partiality for domestic pets, she lost no opportunity of procuring those of a most agreeable kind. We had birds, goldfish, a fine dog, rabbits, a small monkey, and a cat. They had a monkey? (laughs) They had a monkey. And for some reason, the name of this story is not the monkey. 
Well, I'm going to guess that cat... Um, eats the monkey. It does something to that the is, monkey. That is my prediction right now. It's going to give a whole new meaning to when I call Line a monkey cat. At, um, at half a page into this story, my prediction is that the cat is going to eat the monkey. Oh Excuse me while I sip some whiskey. I am very intrigued. I love this household, by the mm. way. I feel like Ace Ventura <laughs> was based on this dude. <laughs> Ace Ventura, morbid romantic poet. <laughs> Jim Carrey, if you're listening, which I know you are, get on that. <laughs> this latter was a remarkably large and... Oh, this is the cat. Okay. What he call it? Uh, the, the ladder, as in the, the last animal the that I ladder, talked about. The ladder, as in like... ladder. Yes. Not ladder, as not, in climbing. Yeah. Uh, the cat was a remarkably large and beautiful animal, entirely black and sagacious to an astonishing degree. In speaking of his intelligence, my wife, who at heart was not a little tinctured in superstition, made frequent allusions to the ancient popular notion which regarded all black cats as witches in disguise. Boom. Not that she was ever serious upon this point, and I mention the matter at all for no better reason than that it happens just now to be remembered. Pluto, this was the cat's name, was my favorite pet and playmate. Aww, her name's Pluto! Which uh, is our favorite planet. Too. His name is Pluto. His name is Pluto. Their name. I won't gender the cat, even uh, though he did. He's, uh, Poe is about to gender the cat okay. in, in the next sentence. Got it. Yeah. He, Pluto the kitty. Pluto, this was the cat's name, was my favorite pet and playmate. I alone fed him, and he attended me wherever I went about the house. It was even with difficulty that I could prevent him from following me through the streets. Oh! Like the cat by my grandparents' house that like, <laughs> follows the mom when she walks her puppy. Aww. Our friendship lasted in this manner for several years, during which my general temperament and character, through the instrumentality of the fiend intemperance, had, I blush to confess it, experienced a radical alteration for the worse. I grew day by day more moody, oh. more irritable more regardless of the feelings of others. I suffered myself to use intemperate language to my wife. At length, even offered her personal violence. Uh, what? My pets, of course, were made to feel the change in my disposition. I not only neglected, but ill-used them. Uh, uh, no, mm -mm. Okay, so, so he just became a psycho. This, well, he, he got drunk. Intemperance. Yeah. He got drunk and started being mean to his wife and pets. Yeah. What the hell? Uh, for Pluto, however, I still retained sufficient regard to restrain myself from maltreating him as I made no scruple of maltreating the rabbits, the monkey, or even the dog <laughs> when by accident or through affection they came in my way. Oh my God. Take his pets away. But my disease grew upon me, for what disease is like alcohol? And at length, even Pluto, who was now becoming old and consequently somewhat peevish, even Pluto began to experience the effects of my ill temper. One night, returning home, much intoxicated from one of my haunts about town, I fancied that the cat avoided my presence. Yeah, that's right. Pluto's like, fuck you. F we were best friends. 
We were best friends. Then you turn into a dick. Jerk what? Well, I get drunk and I snuggle the crap out of Lina. <laughs> I seized him. When in his fright at my violence, he inflicted a slight wound upon my hand with his teeth. The fury of a demon instantly possessed me. I knew myself no longer. My original soul seemed at once to take its flight from my body, and a more than fiendish malevolence, gin nurtured, thrilled every fiber of my frame. I took from my waistcoat pocket a penknife, opened it, grasped the poor beast by the throat, and deliberately cut out one of its eyes no! from the socket. Oh my god, oh my god. I yeah. blush, I burn, I shudder, no! while I pen the damnable atrocity. Oh my god, no, I don't like this story at all. <laughs> Whew, that was a scary story, not a fucking demented hurt kitty cat. Well, I feel less bad for the fact that tomorrow this guy's gonna be dead. Yeah, this guy's Totally not going to make it. Well, but he's telling the story. Yeah, tomorrow oh, he's going to be dead. Tomorrow he's going to be dead. He opens with the he's phrase He's telling it from the grave. Yeah, from the grave or from, like, death row or uh, this is a suicide note or who knows. But oh he God. said tomorrow he was yeah, going to be dead. Yeah, you, you, he done fucked up. Don't hurt the kid. When reason returned with the morning, when I had slept off the fumes of the night's debauch, I experienced a sentiment half of horror, half of remorse for the crime which I had been guilty, but it was, at best, a feeble and equivocal feeling, and the soul remained untouched. I again plunged into excess, and soon drowned in wine all memory of the deed. That cat is going to fuck him up, and I'm going to applaud. That's all. In the meantime, the cat slowly recovered. The socket of the lost eye presented, it is true, a frightful appearance, but he no longer appeared to suffer any pain. He went about the house as usual, but, as might be expected, fled in extreme terror at my approach. No shit, jackwad. You think? Wait till he kills you, bitch. <laughs> I had so much of my old heart left as to be at first grieved by this evident dislike on the part of a creature which had once so loved me. But this feeling soon gave place to irritation, and then came, as if to my final and irrevocable overthrow, a spirit of perverseness. Of this spirit, philosophy takes no account. Yet I am not more sure that my soul lives than I am that perverseness is one of the primitive impulses of the human heart, one of the indivisible primary faculties or sentiments which give direction to the character of man. Who has not a hundred times found himself committing a vile or a silly action for no other reason than because he knows he should not? Have we not a perpetual inclination in the teeth of our best judgment to violate that which is law merely because we understand it to be such? Um, no. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I not, do have not the big idea. laws, but like yeah, you have you have the impulse to like. I absolutely do have the impulse to steal something. To or see, like, or yeah. like that thing says, no shirt, no shoes, no service. I'm going to take off my shoes and shirt and walk in and demand a Big Mac. Yeah, and we now know a lot of people have that because you know they won't wear their won't wear their masks. masks. You know, like that kind of shit. Or or like or, um, no no diving, and the first thing you want to do is dive. Yeah, or, it's very or, true. You know, 
It's like little um, things. Yeah. Okay. Don't, under any circumstances, mix Coca-Cola and Pop Rocks. It will kill you. And what's the or first Mentos. thing you do? Or Mentos. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm on board. Okay. This spirit of perverseness, I say, came to my final overthrow. It was this unfathomable longing of the soul to vex itself, to offer violence to its own nature, to do wrong for the wrong's sake only, that urged me to continue and finally to consummate the injury I had inflicted upon the unoffending brute. One morning, in cool blood, I slipped a noose about its <gasps> neck and hung it oh my God. to the limb of a tree. Oh my God, what in the fuck... This guy is a, he's a he's serial killer. He's psychotic. He's psychotic. What happened to him? Like, seriously, what happened? I, we're going to find out, I assume. Oh, my God. Hung he it with the tears. Ace Ventura to being, like, freaking Hannibal Lecter. Like, Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey da oh, no. <laughs> Hung it with the tears streaming from my eyes and with the bitterest remorse at my heart. Hung it because I knew that it had loved me and because I felt it had given me no reason of offense. Oh. Hung it because I knew that in so doing I was committing a sin, a deadly sin that would so jeopardize my immortal soul as to place it, if such a thing were possible, even beyond the reach of the infinite mercy of the most merciful and most terrible God. So I killed my cat to damn myself to hell. If if you pluck your cat's eye out, don't don't be like, you know what? I deserve to go to hell now, so I'm just gonna kill the cat and make I sure like I go to is, hell. This, I think plucking the eye out was plenty. This is like the extreme version of cutting off your nose to spite your face. Yeah. Oh my god. This is upsetting. Oh Poe. What the fuck? Well, I mean <laughs> It is Poe. It's Poe. I know. You picked it. I thought it was a ghost story. It still might be. That's true. Keep going. I'm, I'm done with the animal abuse. I don't like it at all. Be, go, everyone who has a pet right now, please snuggle go, go them. Go hug your pet. Snuggle them right now. On the night of the day on which this cruel deed was done, I was aroused from my sleep by the cry of fire. The curtains of my bed were in flames. The whole house was blazing. It was with great difficulty that my wife, a servant, and myself made our escape from the conflagration. The destruction was complete. My entire worldly wealth was swallowed up, and I resigned myself thenceforward to despair. That cat just set that house on fire. I am above the weakness of seeking to establish a sequence of cause and effect between the disaster and the atrocity. But I am detailing a chain of facts, and wish not to leave even a possible link imperfect. On the day succeeding the fire, I visited the ruins. The walls, with one exception, had fallen in. This exception was found in a compartment wall, not very thick, which stood about the middle of the house, and against which had rested the head of my bed. The plastering had here, in great measure, resisted the action of the fire, a fact which I attributed to its having been recently spread. About this wall, a dense crowd were collected, and many persons seemed to be examining a particular portion of it with very minute and eager attention. The words, strange, 
singular and other similar expressions excited my curiosity. I approached and saw, as if graven in base relief upon the white surface, the figure of a gigantic cat. Yes! The impression was given with an accuracy truly marvelous. There was a rope about the animal's neck. <gasps> oh my god, that cat is pissed! <laughs> When I first beheld this apparition, for I could scarcely regard it as less, my wonder and my terror were extreme, but at length, reflection came to my aid. The cat, I remembered, had been hung in the garden adjacent to the house. Upon the alarm of fire, this garden had been immediately filled by a crowd, by someone of whom the animal must have been cut from the tree and thrown through an open window into my chamber. This had probably been done in the view of arousing me from sleep. Mm -hmm. The falling of other walls had compressed the victim of my cruelty into the substance of the freshly spread plaster. Oh, I love him sitting here trying to, like, reason away the <laughs> fact that this cat has, like... The cat came back. <laughs> the lime of which, with the flames and the ammonia of the carcass, had then accomplished this portraiture as I saw it. Sure, we'll mm -hmm. go with that. Yeah, yeah, bro. Although I thus readily accounted to my reason, if not altogether to my conscience, for the startling fact just detailed, it did not the less fail to make a deep impression upon my fancy. For months, I could not rid myself of the phantasm of the cat. Good. And during this period, there came back into my spirit a half-sentiment that seemed, but was not, remorse. I went so far as to regret the loss of the animal, and to look about me... Well, good for you, dude. Twat. I went so far as to regret the loss of the animal, and to look about me among the vile haunts which I now habitually frequented for another pet of the same species, and of somewhat similar appearance, with which to supply its place. No! No, do not sell him a... Do not give him a cat. I, I don't think he's looking to buy one. I think he's looking for some street cat. No. I mean... I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you. Um, I hope that street cat is the demon ghost of the cat that he hurt, and he continues to destroy his soul. Um, From the inside out. I, I think that prediction is now much more likely than the, my prediction the that the cat will eat the monkey. Yeah, where, <laughs> where is the monkey, by the way? The monkey and the rabbits and the dog probably all ran away when he started being a dick. That's true. <laughs> like the fire started and they're like, peace. I'm out. Bye. Can't keep me here, bitch. <laughs> we saw what you did to Pluto. Meow, meow, kitty. One night as I sat, half stupefied in a den of more than infamy, my attention was suddenly drawn to some black object reposing upon the head of one of the immense hogsheads of gin or of rum, which constituted the chief furniture of the apartment. I had been looking steadily at the top of this hogshead for some minutes, and what now caused me surprise was the fact that I had not sooner perceived the object thereupon. Because it wasn't there before. Because mm, it's a ghost. Or a cat, because cats are essentially ghost ninjas. Well, yes, and that's why I love them. I approached it and touched it with my hand. It was a black cat. 
a very large one, fully as large as Pluto and closely resembling him in every respect but one. The eye. Pluto had not one white hair upon any portion of his body, but this cat had a large, although indefinite, splotch of white covering nearly the whole region of the breast. Upon my touching him, he immediately arose, purred loudly, rubbed against my hand, and appeared delighted with my notice. <laughs> this, then, was the very creature of which I was in search. I at once offered to purchase it of the landlord, but this person made no claim to it, knew nothing of it, had never seen it before. Mm -hmm. I continued my caresses, and... When I prepared to go home, the animal evinced a disposition to accompany me. I permitted it to do so, occasionally stooping and patting it as I proceeded. When it reached the house, it domesticated itself at once and became immediately a great favorite with my wife. Yeah, give her something to be happy about, because apparently you're a dick. Psychotic. Yeah. For my own part, I soon found a dislike to it arising within me. <laughs> this was just the reverse of what I had anticipated, but I know not how or why it was, its evident fondness for myself rather disgusted and annoyed. Because you're guilty as hell. Because you're insane. By slow degrees, these feelings of disgust and annoyance rose into the bitterness of hatred. I avoided the creature, a certain sense of shame, and the remembrance of my former deed of cruelty preventing me from physically abusing it. I did not for some weeks strike or otherwise violently ill use it, but gradually, very gradually, it came up, uh, I came to look upon it with unutterable loathing, oh my God, and to flee silently from its odious presence as from the breath of pestilence. I'm hiding. What added, no doubt, to my hatred of the beast was the discovery one morning after I brought it home that, like Pluto, it also had been deprived of one of its eyes. It's the ghost of the cat. Of course it is, and that white patch is, like, number one. They've got nine lives, they got nine bitch. lives. If he kills nine cats in this, I don't know if I'm going to make it to the end, man. <laughs> That's that's fair. Oh my god. I mean, I guess he just killed the same cat nine times. Which but isn't any better. Not any better, but that cat's gonna fuck him up. I'm really excited for when this cat, like, takes this, this man down. This circumstance, however, only endeared it to my wife, who, as I have already said, possessed in a high degree that humanity of feeling which had once been my distinguishing trait and the source of many of my simplest and purest pleasures. With my aversion to this cat, however, its partiality for myself seemed to increase. It followed my footsteps with a pertinacity. Ooh, pertinacity. Pertinacity. That's a fun word. Do, 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 do. How do I spell it? P-E-R-T-I-N-A-C-I-T-Y. Pertinacity. Holding firmly to an opinion or a course of action. Okay, so it's just a three letters longer way of saying tenacity. Yes, per tenacity. Great. <laughs> it's a very, it's a fancy, it's the romanticism way to say it. It's like, we are fancy, we are, we are very pretty words. Oh, if I didn't already hate you for killing that cat, now yeah. I hate you for being a dick with that right. word. 
I just have to keep remembering this is not a uh, true story. Yeah. I am not listening to a true crime podcast right now. This is a fake story. I'd like to... Uh, About a cat that never really existed. Yes, thank God. Okay. With my aversion to this cat, however, it's partiality for... Nope, I already read that part. Pertinacity. Yep. It followed my footsteps with a pertinacity which it would be difficult to make the reader comprehend. Whenever I sat, it would crouch beneath my chair or spring upon my knees, covering me with its loathsome caresses. If I arose to walk, it would get between my feet and thus nearly throw me down, or (laughs) fastening its long, sharp claws in my dress, clamber in this manner to my breast. At such times, although I longed to destroy it with a blow, I was yet withheld from so doing, partly by the memory of my former crime, but chiefly, let me confess it at once, by absolute dread of the beast. This dread was not exactly a dread of physical evil, and yet I should be at a loss how otherwise to define it. I am almost ashamed to own, yes, even in this felon's cell, I am almost ashamed to own that the terror and horror with which the animal inspired me had been heightened by one of the merest chimeras it would be possible to conceive. My wife had called my attention more than once to the character of the mark of white hair, of which I have spoken, and which constituted the sole visible difference between the strange beast and the one I had destroyed. The reader will remember that this mark, although large, had been originally very indefinite, but by slow degrees, degrees nearly imperceptible, and which for a long time my reason struggled to reject as fanciful, it had, at length, assumed a rigorous, distinctness of outline. It was now the representation of an object that I shudder to name, and for this above all I loathed and dreaded, and would have rid myself of that monster had I dared. It was now, I say, the image of a hideous, of a ghastly thing, of a gallows. O mournful and terrible engine of horror and of crime, of agony and of death. Yeah, it's like, you hung me. Your turn. It's your turn. Bye. And now was I indeed wretched beyond the wretchedness of mere humanity, and a brute beast whose fellow I had contemptuously destroyed, a brute beast to work out for me, for me, a man, fashioned in the image of the high God, so much of insufferable woe. Alas, neither by day nor by night knew I the blessing of rest any more. During the former, the creature... You haunted! During the former, the creature left me no moment alone, and in the latter, I started hourly from dreams of unutterable fear to find the hot breath of the thing upon my face, and its vast weight, an incarnate nightmare that I had no power to shake off, incumbent eternally upon my heart. <laughs> Whew, I need a drink. Holy crap. He likes his words. He likes his pretty words. 
<sighs> he's named after a Shakespeare character. I guess it was, it was yeah, meant to be. It was bound to happen. Oh, I'm so excited to hear this man's downfall. Completely downfall. What was that song on SNL last night that we heard in the rerun? It was like, angry white man. White male rage. White male rage. White male rage. Like, yeah. I feel like this song is... Uh, is gonna get sung at the end of this. This 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 is a this is a book about, about drunken, white male rage. Drunken white male rage. White male rage. Um, so he'll get nominated for an Oscar. Okay. And then be executed. And well, good. <laughs> he, he's probably about to be hung for something. Sweet. I'm assuming. But if they ever make a movie about this, the person that plays the character will definitely get nominated for an Oscar because white male rage, white male rage. Who do you think would play this guy? In the movie. Ooh, so he has to be like really sweet to begin, and then he kind of he turns. Is 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 saying Joaquin Phoenix way too on the nose? That's a little on the nose. I'm gonna go with Zac Efron because he played uh, what's his face in uh, that the the movie of uh, they made a movie about the the serial killer, um, not Dahmer, the one who uh, was in Florida. Oh my God, why can't I think of his name right now? Damn it! Damn it! Damn it! Is uh, <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking um, about. Really? Oh, because Zac Efron is incredibly charming. Yeah, and sure. Very handsome and um, you know, all all American boy. Um, but then he became like, which is oh, Ted Bundy. I thought I, I before I even looked it up, Ted Bundy. He plays Ted Bundy. Gotcha. So he's like, you would never expect this person to be this dark and fucked up, but. They're one of the darkest, disgusting people ever. So I'm going to go with Zac Efron. Zac Efron. Because he did a very good job with that. So I would like to see him uh, um, t- take take it. All right. I, 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 I like don't, that. I don't actually want to see anyone make this into a movie, but because I can't watch animals get hurt. I, I like Zef- Zac Efron. Let me, uh, let me put forth my casting choice. Okay. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh, God. No, I don't. I don't. I can't even think. I don't even want to think about him hurting a kitty cat. I like. I like. Makes me so sad. Well, is there anyone that you do want to think about hurting a kitty cat? No, but some people just seem like they're more capable. I guess. Like yeah. Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> Joaquin, if you're listening, I mean, come on. Sorry, dude. <laughs> Sorry, dude. But the, the Joker performance was a little on the nose. Just, <clears> just saying. <throat> um, but anyway, white male rage. White male rage. Continue. Please tell me more. Beneath the pressure of torments such as these, the feeble remnant of the good within me succumbed. Evil thoughts became my sole intimates. The darkest and most evil thoughts, the moodiness of my usual temper increased to hatred of all things and of all mankind, while from the sudden, frequent, and ungovernable outbursts of a fury to which I now blindly abandoned myself... My uncomplaining wife, alas, was the most usual and most patient of sufferers. Someone come get her. (laughs) One day, she accompanied me upon some household errand into this... Oh, God, he's going to kill her. Oh, God! God, I hate this guy. So, I'm obsessed with true crime podcast. I'm up because I'm not upset about this. I, I, I love me some true crime and, like, true crime podcasts and, like, paranormal... This is like merging them, and I hate it. <laughs> I don't like it. It's like he's actually killing people and being haunted at the same time. 
I don't know what's going on. Oh my god. Okay. Well, that's why that's why he's in prison. Let's be yeah. real. <clears throat> oh god, this poor woman. One day, she accompanied me upon some household errand into the cellar of the old building which our poverty compelled us to inhabit. The cat followed me down the steep stairs and, nearly throwing me headlong, exasperated me into madness. Uplifting an axe and forgetting in my wrath the childish dread which had hitherto stayed my hand, I aimed a blow at the animal which, of course, would have proved instantly fatal had it descended as I wished. But this blow was arrested by the hand of my wife. Goaded by the interference into a rage more than demoniacal, I withdrew my arm from her grasp and buried the axe in her brain. She fell dead upon the spot without a groan. Oh my god, I can't! This is the worst! Oh my god! Oh. Okay, it's fiction, it's fiction, it's fiction, it's fiction, it's fiction. Okay, go on. You ready? Oh my god, I'm so upset. I think we're going to put a trigger warning on this one. It's yeah. It's like, fuck. Yeah, I think we're going to have to go back and, and warn people that this is not for the faint of heart. Oh my god! This hideous murder accomplished, I set myself forthwith and with entire deliberation to the task of concealing the body. I knew that I could not remove it from the house, either by day or by night, without the risk of being observed by the neighbors. Many projects entered my mind. At one period, I thought of cutting the corpse into minute fragments and destroying them by fire. At another, I resolved to dig a grave for it in the floor of the cellar. Again, I deliberated about casting it into the well in the yard, about packing it in a box as if merchandise with the usual arrangements, and so getting a porter to take it from the house. Finally, I hit upon what I considered a far better expedient than either of these. I determined to wall it up in the cellar as the monks of the Middle Ages are recorded to have walled up their victims. Oh, that that's going to work. Does he not have any understanding? Of, has he never has he never watched Unsolved Mysteries? Has he ever seen an episode of Law and Order? I mean, come on. You don't lo- you don't wall it up in your house. Do you know what happens to bodies when they've died? You freaking idiot. For a purpose such as this, the cellar was well adapted. Its walls were loosely constructed and had lately been plastered throughout with rough plaster, which the dampness of the atmosphere had prevented from hardening. Moreover, in one of the walls was a projection caused by a false chimney or fireplace that had been filled up and made to resemble the rest of the cellar. I made no doubt that I could readily displace the bricks at this point, insert the corpse, and wall the hole up as before so that no eye could detect anything suspicious. Oh my god, I want Poirot to come in and like (laughs) figure out this case from the other side. I want there to be part two. It's like criminal intent and then regular law and order. Mon ami, (laughs) you have failed in three regards. (laughs) Let me explain. He's failed a lot. This guy's this guy going down, and I can't, I'm so happy about it. First, your psychotic tendencies yeah. are widely known throughout the town. Yes. You it kill is, the cat. It <laughs> is obvious that you are capable 
of such a murder. Yes. Second, you dumb <laughs> piece of shit, you never watched an episode of Law and Order. <laughs> if you had, you would know that bodies begin to give out an odor when they are bricked up inside the wall. Third, you wrote a book confessing to the murder. <laughs> I read it, I heard it on a podcast, <laughs> and uh, here I am. My name's Poirot. I'm uh, gonna, I'm gonna, ooh, I'm excited for Death on the Nile. Yeah. There's, yeah, the preview for Death on the Nile. Anyway, anyway, sorry, moving on. I, 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 had, to, I had to distract ourselves from this for a minute, because it was getting, it's getting dark. Okay, go. Uh, so he just said, I was pretty sure I could do it without anyone noticing. Yeah. And in this calculation, I was not deceived. By means of a crowbar, I easily dislodged the bricks, and having carefully deposited the body against the inner wall, I propped it in that position, while, with a little trouble, I relayed the whole structure as it originally stood. Having procured mortar, sand, and hair with every possible precaution, I prepared the plaster which could not be distinguished from the old, and with this I very carefully went over the new brickwork. When I had finished, I felt satisfied that all was right. The wall did not present the slightest appearance of having been disturbed. The rubbish on the floor was picked up with the minutest care. I looked around triumphantly and said to myself, Here, at least, then, my labor has not been in vain. <laughs> my next step was to look for the beast which had been the cause of so much wretchedness, for I had, at length, firmly resolved to put it to death. Yeah, kill been... more things. That'll help. That always helps. If, if, um, if violence isn't the answer, it's because you're not using enough violence. Apparently. That's this guy's, that's this guy's motto, so. Had I been able to meet with it at the moment, there could have been no doubt of its fate, but it appeared that the crafty animal had been alarmed by the violence of my previous anger and forbore to present itself in my present mood. Yeah, because they're smarter than you. It is possible, it is impossible to describe or to imagine the deep, the blissful sense of relief which the absence of the detested creature occasioned in my bosom. It did not make its appearance during the night, and thus, for one night at least, since its introduction into the house, I soundly and tranquilly slept. I slept even with the burden of murder upon my soul. Oh, good. So you're even that much crazier. Great. This guy just keeps getting better. The second and the third day passed, and still my tormentor came not. Once again, I breathed as a free man. The monster, in terror, had fled the premises forever. I should behold it no more. My happiness was supreme. The guilt of my dark deed disturbed me but little. Some few inquiries had been made, but these had been readily answered. Even a search had been instituted, but of course nothing was to be discovered. I looked upon my future felicity as secured. Nope. Upon the fourth day of the assassination, a party of the police came very unexpectedly Bye, into the bitch. house and proceeded again to make rigorous investigation of the premises. 
Secure, however, in the inscrutability of my place of concealment, I felt no embarrassment whatever. The officers bade me accompany them in their search. They left no nook or corner unexplored. At length, for the third or fourth time, they descended into the cellar. I quivered not in a muscle. My heart beat calmly as that of one who slumbers in innocence. I walked the cellar to end, from end to end. I folded my arms upon my bosom and roamed easily to and fro. The police were thoroughly satisfied and prepared to depart. The glee at my heart was too strong to be restrained. I burned to say if but one word by way of triumph and to render doubly sure their assurance of my guiltlessness. Gentlemen, I said at last as the party ascended the steps, I delight to have allayed your suspicions. I wish you all health and a little more courtesy. Uh, by the by, gentlemen, this... This is a very well-constructed house. In the rabid desire to say something easily, I scarcely knew what I uttered at all. I may say an excellently well-constructed house. These walls... Are you going, gentlemen? These walls are solidly put together. And here, through the mere frenzy of bravado, I rapped heavily with a cane which I held in my hand upon that very portion of the brickwork behind which stood the corpse of the wife of my bosom. Oh my god, this guy's a fucking nutcase! But may God shield and deliver me from the fangs of the arch-fiend. No sooner had the reverberation of my blows sunk into silence than I was answered by a voice from within the tomb. <gasps> by a cry, at first muffled and broken, like the sobbing of a child, then quickly swelling into one long, loud, and continuous scream. Oh! Utterly anomalous and inhuman, a howl, a wailing shriek half of horror and half of triumph, such as might have arisen only out of hell, conjointly from the throats of the damned in their agony and of the demons that exult in damnation. <laughs> of my own thoughts, it is folly to speak. Swooning, I staggered to the opposite wall. For one instant, the party upon the stairs remained motionless through extremity of terror and of awe. In the next, a dozen stout arms were toiling at the wall. It fell bodily. The corpse, already greatly decayed and clotted with oh. gore, stood erect before the eyes of the spectators. Upon its head, with red extended mouth and solitary eye of fire sat the hideous beast whose craft had seduced me into murder. Yes, cat! And whose informing voice had consigned me to the hangman. I had walled the monster up within the tomb. Oh my god! The end. That's it? That's it. <laughs> okay, first of all, I do know a couple post stories, and this feels like, like the, uh, I don't know if this was written before or after Telltale Heart, 
but that's all about like guilt and like feeling guilt for the I, Hearing, I, I, yep I feel like this Hearing is the heartbeat there's a lot of telltale heart and there's a lot of um uh the what? cask of Amontillado. Oh, is the one where right. he where he walls the person up in yeah. the yeah 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 oh man he, he bricks the the person up in the wall yeah yeah so there's there's some of that too yeah oh oh my god that was so deeply that upsetting was wildly upsetting um if you uh if you listened it is because you either um disregarded or uh decided you were excited by the warning that we gave at the beginning of this reading. <laughs> Um, either I'm, way, you're welcome or I'm sorry. You're welcome or I'm sorry, but I mean, again, like I said, I that love... That was a really Canadian sorry. Well, I'm sorry. I'm so that sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I will say that uh, maybe this is going to boost listens because, you know, people love a good true crime and a paranormal podcast. So, la, 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 la. I mean, this is, this is our true crime paranormal story. Or at least our, um, super fucked up story it's a stu- super fucked up story like I'm just like I'm so glad that that man got what was coming to him and apparently is getting hung tomorrow so that's what happens to people that hurt animals and women that's uh, white male rage bye bye you gonna die you, you, you out you out bitch so uh don't hurt animals no or Not the lo- cool. or your loved ones or like or people Obviously, like that should go but, without. I suppose don't hurt animals should go without saying too. Yeah, but, like, I mean, don't hurt people. Don't, like, and don't I know be a again dick. that was fiction. That was not a true story. I want to point that out because again, I listen to true crime podcasts and I listen to things worse than that. You know, like Jeffrey Dahmer, and yeah. I'm like, that really happened. This this person was fake. So I have to remind myself of that as I was literally hiding myself under my sweater <laughs> and jumping about the room. Well, if you enjoyed that story, <laughs> you're, there's probably something really wrong with you. <laughs> um, I, what's funny is I enjoyed the story. Yeah. It was deeply, like, it was so deeply well written. disturbing. It was so well written that I was deeply upset. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just... If, uh, if you would like to hear more stories like this, more stories from Poe, <laughs> please... You are burpy I'm today. super burpy. It's the, it's the ginger beer and the oh, okay. Kentucky Mules. Yep. Excuse me. I'm going to start that whole thing over. <laughs> if you would like to hear more stories like this, more stories from Poe or similarly terrifying authors, um, shoot us uh, an email at 5050artsproduction at gmail.com or send us a message. Oh, no, better yet, put in your requests on our website. Yeah. At campfireclassicspodcast.com. We all have one a form, word. all one word, campfireclassicspodcast.com. Uh, we have a form on the website where you can request authors and stories that you particularly like. If, on the other hand, you found this story disturbing and want to hear no more stories like this, send us an email <laughs> at 5050artsproduction at gmail.com and or tell us send how in, we ruined your day. Or send in a request. <laughs> At campfireclassicspodcast.com. I have to go make dinner now. That's the upsetting part. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to go snuggle Lina so much. She's sitting outside on the porch. Yeah, I'm going to go snuggle her hard. I'm going to snuggle her so good. Everyone snuggle their pets. All right. Um, This has been a particularly disturbing Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look good on your shelf.